Hey, good, uh, good morning, everyone. Hey, let me encourage you that if you have a Bible or a device to go ahead and take it with me and turn to the 13th chapter of the book of Romans. Uh, you can also uh, pull out the message notes, They'll, the passage, the entire chapter that we're looking at today is right there on the front of those message notes. Uh, they'll be up here on the screen as well. Uh, but Romans chapter 13, we're going through the book of Romans. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but uh, we're in the book of Romans. We're up to the 13th chapter. And so I'm going to read the entire chapter here at the beginning, and then I'll just be referring back to sections of it. So make sure you pay attention, underline, or hold on to any significant phrases that jump out at you because we'll be referring back. So Romans chapter 13, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. And the authorities that exist have been established by God. And so consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves for rulers hold no terror for those who do right but for those who do wrong do you want to be free from the fear of one in authority then do what is right and you will be commended for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They're God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoers. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. For this is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to, govern, to governing. So give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one commandment, in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, and therefore... Love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when you first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in 
carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy, but rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. A lot of stuff in there. But I think the key verse is verse 11. I've highlighted, I've emphasized it there in your message notes, but it's where Paul says this, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up. Wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Jesus is returning. People's eternity is at stake. The full expression of our salvation is nearer now than it has ever been. And so Paul says, act like a real follower of Christ. And I believe in this chapter, Paul gives us several examples of how we can do that. Of how we can wake up and act like a real Christ follower. We can do that by lining up under authority in our lives in verses 1 to 7. We can do that by loving our neighbors in verses 8 to 10. We can do that by putting on the armor of light rather than the deeds of darkness in verse 12. We can do that by behaving decently rather than carousing and drunkenness and sexual immorality and debauchery and dissension and jealousy in verse 13. And we can do that by clothing ourselves with the Lord Jesus rather than thinking about how to gratify the desires of the flesh in verse 14. So did you get all that? Well, don't worry. We're going to work our way through that outline. If you turn your message notes over, there's a place where you can fill in some blanks. But Paul is saying that Christians need to stand out and look different from our culture. Not because we're weird. Some Christians stand out because they're weird. No points for that. But we're to stand out and look different because the gospel has deeply impacted us. You know, the typical non-Christian doesn't see any difference between us and themselves other than that we have more meetings to go to. And Paul says... No, we need to be different for that, and he, for different for other reasons. And he gives us several ways that we can tangibly be different than the culture around us. And so let's walk through that. The first way, he says, we can be different. We can wake up and be a real Christ follower to the world around us by how we respond to authority in our lives in verses 1 to 7. Now talk about countercultural, right? I mean, the typical person, when I've interacted with people over this, usually says something like this, well, I'll line up under your authority if I agree with you. And that's not lining up under authority, that's just agreeing, right? In fact, you don't get the chance to line up under someone's authority until you disagree with them. And Paul reminds us in this chapter that all authority over us is God-designed. Even the unjust, unfair ones 
that there is some way in which God's sovereignty and our sin come together that we're never going to really understand this side of eternity, right? But God tells us that he'll use even unjust, even unfair authorities to accomplish his purposes. That we are to line up under that authority as much as we can and let God deal with the injustice. But see, we want to focus on the other things. We, we want to focus on the injustices. You know, hey, but, but, but they're treating me unfairly. Or, you know, she's a lousy boss. I could do her job better than her. Or he's an unfit president. Maybe you've heard that one. See, but God says, let me handle that. You just obey. You just submit. You just pay your taxes. Now, certainly, we're not to obey if what we're being told to do is immoral or illegal or unethical or contrary to the clear teachings of Scripture. We see that example in Scripture when the apostles were told that they couldn't preach about Jesus anymore. And they said, no, we have a higher authority. We have to listen to him and not to you. But... But that's not the case for most of us. Other than those situations, we're to do what our authority tells us to do, showing him or her honor and respect. Did you pick that up in verse 7? Maybe you're thinking, but they don't deserve my respect. And very often that's the case. But when that is, then you're to show the respect that their position deserves. Even if you can't show that respect to them as a person, you respect their position. Now, the Bible gives us four places, four institutions, when, where we are to line up under authority. One of those places is government. That's the main emphasis here in Romans 13. But not only that, in other places, the Bible says we're also to line up under authority at work. We're also to line up under authority in the local church. And then we're also to line up under authority in our homes, husbands and wives, and parents and children. And Paul's emphasis here is that we can look radically different from the world around us and how we willingly respectfully line up under the authority in our lives. Now, that doesn't mean that we just mindlessly go along like mute servants. But I think it does mean that when we speak up, we do it in the right way. We do it to the right person or people. You know, not griping to our co-workers or posting our rants to the world on social media. And I think it does mean that we remember that our ultimate authority is God. And He is in control of the middle management between us and Him. Well, that was really good. That's, that's tweetable right there. <laughs> now, of course... If we're being abused or preyed upon 
then obviously get out if you can. But for most of us, when we get frustrated, we would do well to pray more and speak less. To be the kind of person who takes serious lining up under the authorities in our life. And when we do, Paul says people will notice. They'll know something about us. They'll see us as a true follower of Christ. Well, not only that, he gives another way in verses 8 to 10. He says, we can wake up and be different. We can stand out as a true follower by loving our neighbor. Jesus was asked once, once who was our neighbor. And basically, he said, whoever is around us in need. And so think for a minute. Who in your life might be someone who's hurting? Or someone who's lonely, or someone who's desperate, or someone without means, or without hope. Who might those people be? See, there's need all around us all of the time, isn't that right? But to be aware of that, we have to look up from our phones and notice. We have to get the focus off of our self-consumed thinking about me and be aware. I have to be willing to put others in front of myself. Paul talks about that over in Philippians chapter 2. Verses 3 to 8, he says this, he says, Do nothing... Out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility. Value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Change your thinking to think like Jesus, he says, who... Being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." So how far should we go in serving others? <laughs> how far did Jesus go? I don't think any of us wants to be measured by that standard, do we? And certainly every problem isn't ours to take on. We don't need to take on everything. It's not all our responsibility, but we do need to be aware and we do need to have hearts that are open to serve and looking for opportunities to serve. In fact, did you notice Paul's powerful words back in Romans 13 in verse 8 where he says, We have a continuing debt to love one another. In fact, he said, you can wrap up the commands of all the scriptures in this simple understanding. To truly show love to each other. And so let me ask you. Are you known 
as a person who loves the people around you. I'm not talking about ooey-gooey feelings for I'm talking about who shows, who demonstrates, who puts love into action. Not just your family, not just your friends, but are, is that true of your life? Are you a loving person who gives of themselves selflessly for the sake of others? Does love for the people around me, especially those in need, does that characterize me? Because what Paul says is when it does, you'll stand out. And people will notice, people will know that you're a true follower of Jesus. Well, there's a third way in this chapter. Still with me? Oh, good. <laughs> third way, he says, is that we're, we can do that, we can... We can stand out, we can be tangibly different by putting on the armor of light instead of the deeds of darkness in verse 12. And what Paul's saying here is that we need to be people who obey God in our actions. That we say no to sinful behavior. Mark Twain once said, you know, it, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bothers me. It's the parts that I do understand that I have the trouble with. So let me ask you right now. What's going on in your life right now that you know is contrary to the clear teachings of Scripture? And as you identify something, let me join with the Apostle Paul in saying to you, stop excusing it. To confess that to God. To surrender that area over to Jesus. To repent of that. And to turn around so that you stop doing it or you start doing something that God is leading you out to do. And go to your small group and say to one or two people in your group, Hey, I need help being obedient to God in this area. See, the lie that the devil tells us is you ought to be able to handle everything all on your own. You ought to have the self-discipline and all that to make it happen. That's a lie. We need each other. We need other people to help us walk in obedience. If you're not in a small group, get in a group so that you can... Form some relationship with people. Say, I need your help to be a person that's serious about obeying God. To decide that you're going to walk in the light. Rather than walking in the darkness. John put it this way in 1 John 1. He says, this is the message that we have heard from him. And we declare to you, God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness, we're lying. And we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I mean, darkness here, it's a metaphor for sin. And light's a metaphor for obedience. And so 
John is saying here and Paul is saying in Romans 13, to be the kind of person who reads and hears God's word and then does it, obeys it. To be the kind of person who confesses and repents when we become aware of disobedience and sin in our lives and in our actions rather than rather than keeping it as a pet. You know what I'm talking about? And when we do that, we'll stand out from our culture. Not because we're something great. In fact, John reminds us, hey, it's Jesus that purifies us from our sin. It's not our self-righteousness. It's that we take seriously being the kind of person that obeys God. And when we do that, we'll stand out as a true follower of Christ to this generation, to this culture that we live in. Well, number four, he says that we can stand out, we can wake up and be different by behaving decently rather than, and he gives a list there of carousing and drunkenness and sexual immorality and debauchery and dissension and jealousy, all of that in verse 13. So let me ask you, do people... Look at your actions and see Jesus. Or maybe you're someone's excuse for why they aren't a Christian. Well, none of us want that, do we? You know, you say one thing with your mouth, but your life says something altogether different. You know, we behave one way during the week, but another way on Sunday mornings. There's the old adage went, you know, we sow our wild oats on Friday and Saturday nights, but then we come to church on Sundays and we pray for a crop failure. I think it's interesting, I don't know if you picked up on this, but, but did you notice how Paul puts dissension and jealous on the same level of getting drunk and being sexually immoral. So let me ask you, are you the kind of person who's always stirring up trouble? You know, at your work, amongst your friends, are you the one that's kind of always stirring the pot? Do you spend significant time comparing yourself? To other people being envious of their looks or their house or their job or their boyfriend or whatever else. Paul says to be the kind of person who stands out as a real believer in Christ by being an encourager. By being, a, by being supportive. By being happy, genuinely happy. For the blessings that other people receive instead of me. To be that kind of decent person. And people will know you as a true follower of Christ. You know, I wanted to mention too that, you know, Paul, one of the things he mentions here is sexual immorality. Have you noticed, you know, there, there's an increasing divide and increasing anger in our culture towards Christians. Have you noticed that? I heard Rick Warren 
not very long ago. And he made the observation about this increasing anger. And he says he attributes it to a society that's basically saying, I'm not going to let God or anyone else tell me how to behave sexually. I think he's on to something. You know, it's kind of back to that authority issue again, too, isn't it? And Paul says, in that area and every other area, we need to be people who take our cues, take our understanding from God and live that way. And when we do, people will see something different in us. They will recognize us as true followers of Jesus. Well, one more. Paul mentions that we can also stand out and be different by clothing ourselves with the Lord Jesus. Instead of thinking about how to gratify the desires of our flesh in verse 14. You know, the world system that we live in is all about creating dissatisfaction, isn't it? Causing us to desire things that we don't have. We physically, bodily want things that are not ours to have. We have to surrender those desires to God. Whether, again, we're talking about sex or we're talking about a car that is beyond my means. You know, one of the things Janet has said in our house often, both to me and to our kids as they were growing up, is she would say, I think maybe your wanter is out of whack. But in our culture, isn't it so easy to have an out-of-whack wanter? We want things that we don't need, and we begin to convince ourselves that I have to have that, that I can't be happy without having it, and it becomes an idol to us. Now, there's nothing wrong with things. If you have the means, have all the things you can have. But the problem is those things can easily have us. And idols are things that we substitute in the place that only God should have in our lives. But it's so easy to be sucked in by our culture, isn't it? And we start believing that that this thing or that thing or this situation or that job or this person or this whatever, that's what will make me happy. That's what will satisfy the deepest parts of me. But the truth is only Jesus can do that. And so we have to stand apart from our culture. We have to stand in contrast to it. We need to start shouting back at the TV commercials. That car won't make me happy. That shampoo won't radically change my life. That whatever it is, isn't what I'm longing for at the deepest parts of my soul. It's only Jesus. And so I clothe myself with him. Galatians chapter 3, Paul says this. He says, so in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. 
You know, as I was studying for this, I ran across some really interesting verses way back talking about the life of Jacob back in the very first book of the Bible. And back in Genesis chapter 35, we just kind of get this little snapshot and it says this. It says, then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. And so Jacob said to his household, to all who were with him, get rid of the foreign gods, get rid of those idols that you have with you, and purify yourselves, and, did you see that last part? Change your clothes. Jacob says, hey, this is what God wants from us. We not only need to get rid of our false gods, we need to change our clothes. We need to quit wrapping ourselves in these things that we believe that the idols bring about. And instead, we need to wrap ourselves in Yahweh. We need to wrap ourselves in Jesus, the only true God, the most high God. We need to wrap ourselves in Him. We need to stand out from the culture. We need to be different because we live adorned in only one thing that brings life and satisfaction and fulfillment. And so I'm clothed in Jesus. That my identity isn't in Christian Dior or Gucci or whatever other label you might have on your clothing. My identity is in Jesus. And that's how people know that I'm a true follower of Jesus. And so listen to me, friends. Paul's challenging us in this chapter that we need to wake up. That Jesus is returning, that people's eternity is at stake, that the full expression of our salvation is nearer now than it has ever been. And so we need to act like a real follower of Christ. And so how about you? How are you doing? How are you doing at respectfully lining up under the authorities in your life? Are you authentically showing love to the people around you? How are you serving those around you who are hurting, are lonely, are desperate, are without means, are without hope? How are you doing at that? That are you living in full obedience to Christ and his word? You know, I'm often pretty good at living at about 85% obedience. Or 92.3%. Or 98.7%, right? But am I, are you, are we living in full, complete, total? God says it, that settles it, I'm going to do it. Full obedience. Are you an encouraging, supportive person? Is Jesus your soul? Desire. Only Jesus. 
Are you still looking for your identity in the things that our culture says will satisfy? Well, let's pray together. Father God, I just so much here. And I don't for a minute propose that I have any idea how you want to speak to anybody. But Lord, I do believe that you want to connect to each one of us. That for many of us, there's parts here that your Holy Spirit wants to take and specifically speak into our heart about. And so, God, I'm going to ask you again that you would give us the wisdom to hear what you want to say to each of us this morning. And then give us the courage to act on that. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you take the word of God and personalize it for each of us. Lord, no one needs to walk away hearing something clever that I said, but they, we all need to walk away hearing something specific that you want to say to us. And so, God, I'm asking you to do that. And Lord, prick our hearts, open our minds. Lord, Help us in that conversation we have in our heads of trying to fight back. Lord, help us not to do that and to just hear. And then to have the courage to respond to that, whatever that means. To be different. Not so that any of us can think we're something special because we're not. But because you're everything. And so again, God, speak to us and then give us the courage to respond. I pray in your name and for your glory. Amen.